1: Hello and welcome to Smart People Podcast, conversations that satisfy your curious mind. Chris Stemp here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Got a treat for you because you get a two for today. We've got two incredible guests and a topic that everyone needs to learn, myself included. Listen, this is a little warning. We're talking about relationships here. I am happily married. But as in any happy relationship, it's not always rainbows and butterflies. So you might hear a little bit of my dirt in this episode. You might kind of see where I'm going with this. But that's just because how can I learn about relationships without bringing mine into it? Before we get into our episode, I have a special announcement. I would like to welcome our newest team member. Yes, this is our first addition to the team since inception almost 10 years ago. Welcome to our team, my old friend, Jesse Wynn. You know what? I'm going to have Jesse on sometime soon, and we can kind of go over our background. I've known Jesse since I was five years old, literally five years old. He has been a huge supporter of the podcast since the beginning. And recently, as we started looking for help, we need help with reaching out to listeners specifically, reaching out to guests, doing some planning and creative things. Jesse was the perfect fit. So he has become a part of our team. You might be seeing emails from him, communication. Heck, email us at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com and welcome Jesse to the team. More coming on that later. Now getting into the episode, I mentioned we have two guests this week. It is a powerful duo of Chris Marie Campbell and Susan Clark. They are the co-authors of the brand new number one Amazon new release book, The Beauty of Conflict for Couples, igniting passion, intimacy, and connection in your relationship. Let's learn a little bit about Chris Marie and Susan. Chris Marie Campbell and Susan Clark are the co-founders of Thrive, Inc., Chris Marie brings a unique background as she is an Olympic rower and former Boeing flight test engineer. And Susan is a former marriage therapist. They've spent 20 years helping men, women, couples, and teams resolve difficult conflicts and create strong, thriving relationships. This is their second book. The first one was simply The Beauty of Conflict, and it was more for the business person. This one is focused on couples and relationships. They've given presentations on conflict resolution, communication, teamwork, and problem solving all over the world. They also run transformational retreats for couples several times a year. Let's learn all about how conflict is truly the key to a strong relationship and how to harness it to strengthen our bonds. Here it is, Chris Marie Campbell and Susan Clark, as we discuss their brand new book, The Beauty of Conflict for Couples igniting passion, intimacy and connection in your relationship. Enjoy. We are going to have to learn who is who and and about your backgrounds and I know I want to start there. Sometimes I don't like to start there because it's very generic. Who are you? Tell us what you do. Da, da, da. But your backgrounds are pretty fascinating. So if you could each kind of take a moment and just tell us who you are, where you come from.
2: Yes, this is Chris Marie. Uh, I am an Olympic athlete and a Boeing flight test engineer. And I also worked at a top five consulting firm. I was thinking I often give my background related to conflict because that's what we we speak about. Mm -hmm. And I grew up with an army colonel dad where he was quite explosive and sometimes violent. And so every night at dinner was like running the gauntlet, hoping he wouldn't explode. So I you've heard of Malcolm Gladwell and the 10,000-hour rule of it takes 10,000 hours to develop competence in a complex area of study. And I had 10,000 hours of conflict avoidance growing mm. up. So it's kind of ironic that now we have, I have two books and, and a podcast called The Beauty of Conflict out there. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love um, it. T- today, Susan and I, We've been, uh, we're life and work partners, and we've had our company where we work with organizations, leaders, and teams to help them develop trust, deal with conflict, and get to uh, clear on their strategy. And we've been doing that for 20 years, but 10 years ago, we also co-designed with two other couples, two other heterosexual couples, uh, couples series. And so we've been doing couples workshops for the last Decade and Susan's a marriage and family therapist. But for the last 10 years, we've helped hundreds of couples really create more intimacy, passion, and aliveness and a connection in their relationships.
1: Well, I'm pretty sure every person listening who is in a relationship, their ears just perked up. Because <laughs> I mean, look, I think it's a, a common want out there. So I can't wait to get into that. Good. All right. Thank you, Chris Marie. Susan, over to you.
3: I guess what I can tell you most about my background is where I became passionate about conflict actually all got started when I was really in my 20s and was dealing with a life. I had cancer. I had a very advanced cancer. And as I was facing that and dealing with that, at one point, my medical team was like, you know, you have about six months to live. And that was really when I was confronted by you know, I've got to do something different. So I started working with all sorts of, you know, everything from psychology to nutrition, to alternative medicine, to spiritualologists. And none of them really liked talking to each other, but I got pretty passionate about, you're on Project Susan, you need to talk to each other. And and I also started to realize that there were some key things in my history that I needed to talk about. And as I started to share some of those things, conflict erupted, not just on the inside of me with the cancer, but on the outside between everyone I knew and loved in my community because I was saying stuff no one wanted to hear. But the interesting thing was my health got better. So I really realized that even though I don't like surfacing conflict, it is life-changing and life-enhancing when you do speak truth and and get get what you need to get set out. And that's true whether it's a community, a couple, an organization. And uh, we, we talk now about how, you know, We come together. I come to help you deal with the cancer of your organization, of your couple, and then Chris Murray's along to help get to the Olympic results
1: afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like a perfect setup. I mean, when when you give that bio background, it's like, no wonder why you're going into these organizations and on the couple side of it and just... Changing things because of your history in overcoming obstacles, whether it be in the Olympics or in the hospital. Yes, mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I think it's Gay Hendricks who says, uh, "Behind every communication issue is a ten-minute sweaty palm conversation that you don't want to have. Mm. But when you do have it, you know you muster up the courage. There's a sense of relief, and it it may get worse in the beginning, but then communication starts to flow. That's what I."
1: You know, I can't help it. I got a feeling this interview is going to include a lot of my own personal life, but that's just (laughs) what it is. What is your recommendation for engaging in conflict when two people have very different communication styles? I know that the way people feel about conflict is heavily related to or defined by their experience with it, both growing up and in past relationships. And I find that my style isn't necessarily the right one. It's just mine. So how do we understand how to do conflict when people approach it from different angles?
3: Well, one, Chris, I'm a Susan, and I'm appreciating that you're recognizing, yes, we all come from different styles. We also have very different histories around conflict. And so... I mean, the the challenge is often people don't really address this issue until they're in the midst of conflict. So, mm-hmm. um, at, but it can help even then to just say right up front, hey, my intention here is to get things cleared up. So to state an intention, and right now I'm heated, it's a hot topic for me, so I don't know if this is going to go well, but I'd like to at least try to engage in the conversation. And in in the book, we offer a tool called the 555, which is... We design, it's designed that way because it is a way to talk about something that could be heated where each person really gets a clear amount of times to talk. So the way that works is if I say I bring up a tough topic around money, that's could be a hot one for couples sometimes. And I, we're going to talk about it, how we're spending. So I would take five minutes and just talk about what's on my mind about it. And Chris Marie would just be listening that five minutes and then at, when once that five minutes is up, Chris Marie would have five minutes to just say whatever she wanted to say about the topic, and then that last five minutes is for us to dialogue back and forth. and one thing about this is it starts to give some clear boundary time for each person to show up and five minutes is a can seem like a long time for some people and very short for others. and it's really important to make it a five 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 not a five five forty five. <laughs> mm. (laughs) And to trust that you can start to have those conversations knowing that there's a, a place to start. You don't have to resolve it. That's really critical. I think with couples is to say, this doesn't have to get to a resolution. It's to start the conversation, but that's probably one of the prime tools for that type of dialogue. And I
2: wanted to add something else, Chris, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's really, um, that five, five, five is a great container to start having those conversations and give cause you don't have to talk the whole time. You really have some space to kind of think about it, speak, pause. And we, we also encourage people to show up. We talk about two magic ingredients. Anytime you're having a, a tough conversation, a crucial conversation, a hot topics conversation, and that's one being vulnerable. So really talking, being vulnerable usually involves I statements. So this is how I'm putting the world together. This is how I feel. This is what I want. And then also being curious and interested about the other. So really help me understand how you're putting this together. Why is this so important to you is a really magic question we encourage couples to use, especially when you're stuck in. You know, really opposite sides. You think this person is completely wrong. <laughs> but if you can slow down and really ask, help me understand, or why is this so important to you? Because what happens is a person starts talking about their underlying thinking, not just the right answer, do we save or do we spend, but wow, this is what comes up for me. I'm really scared. You know, in my family, my siblings got sick. I want to make sure I have money to pay for healthcare, whatever it is, those deeper issues start to come up. And that's when we feel that sense of connection. As humans, as opposed to my enemy on the other side who I've got to convince of my point of view.
1: Yes, I find oftentimes in conflict or as I refer to them as just arguments, it often very quickly becomes me versus you. And one of the things, especially in a committed relationship, it's hard but necessary to step back and be like, can we just stop for a second and say, like, we're on the same team? But it especially is difficult the longer you're with someone because you start to play their response in your head before they give it. Is that something that you deal with often? And when that's the case, what do you do when you're just like, oh, look, I don't want to hear it. I've heard it for five, 10, 20 years. <laughs>
3: well, <laughs> that is so true. And working with couples for, you know, even long before we started doing the workshop, it was, uh, I really did get that most of the time people have gotten to the point where they think they know this other person and that is, can be one of the most challenging things, but if, if if you're willing to kind of step back, that's where that vulnerability and curiosity comes in, because I have lost my curiosity about my partner if I just keep projecting the same story onto them. And and sometimes I have to remind myself of that. Yes, this may have been what she said for 30 times, but it is possible that something different could happen that time. Am I willing to be influenced by that? Am I willing to consider that? And and so that's where I have to do my own self check. Am I actually interested? And also in this moment, am I vulnerable, vulnerable enough to say what's really up for me? Because usually when I'm bringing something up I haven't brought up for a long time, I ha- something has shifted in me and I haven't either acknowledged it to myself and likely or to the other person. So this is new for me too. And if I can remember that, I can give my partner a little more room to okay, oh, this may be the first time they've heard this. No wonder they may respond to it differently or they may respond in the same old way because they don't they don't really get that something is different. So to have some genuine curiosity and interest. And even being
2: willing, this Chris Marie, even mm-hmm. being willing to say, wow, right now I'm frustrated because I I feel, I, I think I've heard you say the same thing 30 times and it, it, you know, for the last five, 10 years. And it just doesn't seem like you're that curious or interested. And, and I'm, you know, wondering what's going on because I feel pretty helpless over here to actually influence you. Like to actually be real in the moment of how something is impacting you right then is often even if you say, I'm not curious about you because I think you're going to say the same thing, is a way to actually become curious if you actually acknowledge what's true for you in that moment.
1: See, and this is why you are the experts. Let me explain <laughs> what just happened in that one answer. Okay. So okay. Chris Marie, you you said, you what you said was basically I was having this quote unquote conflict play out that I've seen and been part of, right? Where you started saying, look, it seems to me you don't want to change or do something different or remain curious. And right there, when you said that, I put myself in that situation and I know that the other person, whoever it is, is going to respond defensively. You can't say, it seems like you're not willing to be curious without many people instantly going, Well, I'm curious. Here's what you did, and da 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 da. But where you went after that was explaining the impact of that on mm-hmm. me. And I think that's, that, that was almost a revelatory moment for me, right? You can't leave it as, here's my perception. You have to also add on, and here's why that perception is making it difficult for me to want to help.
2: Yeah, and I, we are big proponents in actually revealing what your story is. So when I do say, you know, I think you're not very open or interested, and also revealing then the impact or the feeling that that has on me is you're then seeing into me. So that's, we talk about intimacy as into me see. And we think of that as a very powerful connecting force, but not really. We are about revealing sometimes the good, the bad, the ugly, and the beautiful of what's happening inside of me.
1: Does that make sense? It does. I can see now where you're going with that vulnerability. I mean, I'm just putting myself in all these situations and imagining I'm really good at highlighting what that other person is unwilling to do in the moment. Oh, you won't remain curious. You're just complaining. Take ownership of yourself, blah, blah. I'm really good at that. But what I'm not as good at is then that second part, which is, and here's why I feel helpless because of that but I could see that being the perhaps the most important part
2: it, it is and I would think I'm a consultant come from that same vein and <laughs> I wouldn't reveal my story I would always be well let me ask you a question versus saying hey this is how I'm putting the world together mm-hmm. over here mm-hmm. and I'm ha- actually really struggling with it because that is all me over here
1: yeah. and
2: yeah, as Consultants are not, we're told not to make it about us. Exactly. Right? Oh my gosh. This is,
1: this is like eye-opening. Who would have known it'd be a self-help for me. Um, <laughs> so do you believe that conflict or healthy conflict is the most important part of a strong intimate relationship?
3: Yeah. Yes. I think we would both answer that question. Yes. And, uh, this is Susan saying, you know, I, I will say that, um, it's, it's critical because that is where the juice is in a relationship. I mean, here's, here's the thing, and we talk about this in the book, you know, we get into a relationship because of our romance and this wonderful story we've created about this person, perfect soulmate for us. We're in love. We're actually also under the influence of uh, dopamine and other drug release things <laughs> in our system. And then we actually get to know this person and realize, oh, wait a minute. Well, first, just to say in that romance phase you're basically having a relationship with your own imagination mm. you don't know the other person yet so as you get to know that other person obviously there're going to be differences there're going to be times when you step on the other person's toes or you know the toothpaste lid doesn't go on you know whatever it is you know <laughs> and then there's bigger things like you don't want the same type of house or you don't want to live in the same neighborhood or you don't parent the same way and the tension starts to rise and that all those differences is where the juices that can make your relationship really sustainable, alive, and passionate. But if you aren't comfortable with that, then that conflict just gets kind of wasted, and you sort of opt out of it, and you go into roles and try to, you know, bring the tension down. And that actually creates uh, a relationship that won't last over time and over all the different stages that it needs to last for there to really be intimacy and passion. So that's why we think it's so critical.
0: Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? If so, BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who are specialized in issues such as depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, grief, self-esteem, and more. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. Anything you share is confidential, and it's so convenient. You can connect via text, chat, phone, and video. Get help at your own time and at your own pace. If you aren't happy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time at no additional charge. BetterHelp has over 4,000 US licensed therapists across all 50 states. Not only is it secure, convenient, and professional, but best of all, it's a truly affordable option. And for Smart People podcast listeners, Get 10% off your first month with the discount code SMART. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash SMART. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. Again, that's betterhelp.com
1: slash SMART. And now back to the episode. It's so funny. You, you took my next question from me. I come from... Uh, an upbringing where there was a lot of conflict, but in, in what I deem a healthy sense. So I would like to say there was a lot of loud talking, but rarely any yelling. Um, (laughs) you know, my, myself, uh, I'm mostly Italian. My mom is almost entirely Italian. I mean, it's just, that's a stereotype, but it was loud and things were resolved loudly, but, but always out in the open to the point where I kind of enjoy it. The problem that sometimes I find my wife is a little different. Uh, she's, quieter and didn't experience as much conflict growing up. And sometimes I'll find that I just don't, you know, I might have something I want to bring up, but I will convince myself, look, I can handle this on my own. Uh, It's really not that big of a deal. Uh, Why don't I just sleep on it and it'll go away? And to some extent it does. But A, I know that's not a good thing. And then B, oftentimes it doesn't go away. Why do we sometimes, or oftentimes I'd imagine, take on that role of, you know what, I'm just not going to bring this up to avoid conflict. And what do we do about that?
2: I think this is Chris Marie. I think well, my whole thing growing up was I wanted to keep the relationship smooth. So I worked really hard to make sure I kept things smooth. And really it's about me not wanting to deal with somebody else's reaction. I'm worried about how they'll react in a couple, it's often like, oh, we're getting along so well. I don't want to rock the boat because then, you know, she'll be mad at me. I don't know how we'll clear this up. You know, I, there's a lot of unknown, and it's safer for me to keep well, what we have known. So I downplay what's important to me. We talk about the me axis, like what's going on inside of me, and then the we axis. And often I will sacrifice, I grew up sacrificing my me in order to keep the peace at the we level. So I'm not sure if, um, what you're worried about in the response of bringing that up. But I know people commonly don't want to deal with the reaction. That's I think-
1: actually it entirely. <laughs> <laughs> now that now that you spelled it out, I'm literally like, I can sit here for 30 minutes, an hour, two hours, three hours, and like struggle through this. And who even knows if we're going to get to a resolution or I can just go, you know what, I'm good. Go to bed and move on from it.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Susan. Just, just a, though a quick comment on that, why that is so toxic in so many ways, is that, you know, having really done years of working with couples, most couples do not break up over the affair or the big thing that it looks like caused the problem. It's the fact that over time, all those little things have gone unaddressed. And that's actually what builds up. And so what then happens is either people just go into apathy and roles, or they decide that their career is more important, or they have an affair or something else happens. When really, that the reason that's happening is because they have deadened the relationship by not risking that tension that would naturally bring the juice back in. so it really it's like putting nails in a coffin, we say, you know, when you choose not to say something and you know it's there, it's like you're kind of putting a nail on the coffin for the relationship, and eventually there's got not, not going to be any air in it, yeah, so it it really is vital. And it's going to seem like something else I could guarantee you. It will seem like something else is the problem. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, I, I'm pretty oh. sure if I have any expert it, expertise in this area is that that is usually the big thing is not generally the problem.
1: Oh, one so. of my favorite things ever. And I always forget the movie it's from, but it's with uh, Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston when he's, or she says, I want you to do the dishes. And then he said, I thought you wanted me to do the dishes. And she said, I want you to want to do the dishes yeah, (laughs) and and it just keeps going. But in reality, it's just about this idea of, you know, I want to feel that you're invested. It has nothing to do with the dishes. I'll use that example constantly. And I feel it's what you're speaking to at the moment. Yeah. So this idea about not wanting to deal with the repercussions of it, how do we overcome that? Because although we can know it from a logical level, it's still very difficult to go through that, especially when you have, like I said, maybe different styles of dealing with conflict.
2: This was uh, a tough one for me based on my background, you know, growing up with the colonel who was quite loud and scary. Mm -hmm. So any sort of reaction could mean violence in my in my nervous system. So I was wired to (laughs) get me out of here. Because it felt anytime conflict came up, it felt life or death. So when Susan and I were first starting to, um, we were first in a relationship and we'd bump into a difference and I'd be like, oh my God, we're over. You know, I just kept wanting to leave. This is too hard. It's not supposed to be this way. And really it was my nervous system controlling me. So I really had to do a lot of work at a physical level to actually discharge my automatic reaction and recognize this isn't truth because I think we're programmed so early on before we probably even have much language. We're reacting. Our, our nervous system is reacting. So, I mean, we even talk, we give some tools in the book of how to settle yourself right there in that moment. It can be as simple as feeling your feet in your seat. Cause when we're scared, we kind of energetically want to go up and out of our bodies. At least I do. And so it's like how to come down and, and. And really, because our IQ drops 10 to 15 points, the science has found that when we're in that source of conflict, we get dumber. So to come back into your body, to settle your system down is a way to interrupt your automatic response.
1: Man, I, I'm, I'm trying so hard not to bring too much of myself into this, but like <laughs> I just, I see my, and, and my wife and I have a, a great relationship. That's not what it's about. It's just, I see the differences. I actually am a firm believer that It's you have to have similar values, but differing strengths. And that makes that's a big sign of a strong relationship. And our differing strengths is I can deal with this stuff. I can deal with conflict loud, loud voices, but it doesn't mean I'm angry. It just means I'm passionate. And that's not how she does it. She processes on her own after the fact. And the thing you were talking about is I can almost see sometimes that fight or flight mentality kicking up in her. And she'll say, look, just give me some time to think it over. And I get frustrated. That's why I kind of brought up that. How do you handle it when there's differing styles of dealing with it?
2: Mm -hmm. We have, uh, it's kind of, we had one person, a couple that he had more of a style like your wife's. And so he would have to take a break and, but she'd be like, well, how, you know, can you tell me when, cause he would just kind of disappear. <laughs> and so they wound up saying, okay, we can take, you can take a break. Let's uh make it an hour you know, that was kind of their time frame. and come back and check in with me. If, if you still need more time, that's okay. But there was like a time boundary on the check-in. So it wasn't just like left for days and not talked about. There was a, and that doesn't have to, an hour doesn't have to be your time, you know, your wife's. Uh, time frame, but to come back in a certain point, can you talk now? And she might have to leave again and then come back. But I think you can increase. I know I've increased my capacity for that tension that comes up inside of me and between me and Susan over time.
3: Mm-hmm. Another. I mean, you brought up an interesting point about similar values and and um, different styles and and I I tend to agree with you on that. Although I think even when it comes to value related things, because we've worked with couples where there are significant differences in their values or present as their values. Mm. But the real key, even in that situation is how can you stay interested and curious without having to fix it or change it and tolerate that tension. And, you know, I was thinking about what you said for couples, like so often, we don't practice better communication. We, just, we don't. And But if there was a way to build in regular conversations, even a five 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 around different styles, what did you learn about conflict? What did you learn about, um, you know, what, what key values do you think you bring to the table? Making it something that actually engages in regular dialogue about some of these things before they get heated can be huge. And, you know, in, in, in businesses, we talk about, this is the strategy session. Most businesses don't have good strategy sessions. They're just constantly firefighting. The same could be said for couples. (laughs) You know, you're making big decisions while you're brushing your teeth. You're not actually sitting down having the right time to actually sink into something so that you don't have to make an immediate decision, but can actually talk to each other to understand better what's going on.
1: Yeah. I was actually curious, would you ever recommend Picking a fight. And I mean, I don't I don't literally mean picking a fight, but maybe it is set aside time once a week, whatever it is to say, hey, we can't leave until we each bring up something that's bothering us about the other person and like work through it. I mean, it seems (laughs) contrived, but I almost wonder if it's also therapeutic.
2: Well, I think it is therapeutic to actually kind of bring up those things that you are kind of put shoving in the closet or under the under the rug, whatever they are. I mean, a way that we would do it is, hey, this is what's working for me in between us, and this is what's not, and in a way of like not, not just picking a fight, but because we, you know, you're in this as a marathon, not a sprint, so you want to actually focus on both sides of the equation because there are we tend to forget what actually is working and only focus on the problem. And it's a a goodwill gesture to bring up both sides of that equation.
3: And I think the the key is, though, not to make it a formula. I mean, there are so many ways in which we want to make tools into formulas that are going to fix our relationship. Or, you know, like you have to bring up one bad thing (laughs) because that means that we really are talking about it. And it's like as soon as it becomes a formula, it's actually kind of dead, you know, but if you actually make, we're going to bring this up, we're going to open up the opportunity. But if there's nothing there, that's, that's okay. Now, if there's never anything there, that could be just as bad. But, but I I have a big thing about how often even tools for communication or tools for clarity or couples become these rigid formulas that mean something. And I, I don't, I think that's a mistake we make in general, um, we tend to get into, here's the way it's supposed to be. And it's like, no, try it on, make it organic, keep it alive. And then it's actually useful. Right. I think as we're
2: we're so afraid of the uncertainty, we want, if I follow the formula, then this will get us there. But it's it's the formula can be helpful for a little bit and deadening if it's too strict.
1: Yes. Well, and I often find there's so much advice out there. This is something I think of often as it relates to parenting that we worry more about, are we getting it right and are we following the right advice or just the most recent and less about are we progressing in however we need to progress, whether it be in a relationship or as an individual or as a parent. And I think that's one of the things you're uh, mentioning here is not necessarily to have it be formulaic, but more think about the goals and then are you making progress towards those?
3: Exactly. I mean, it's great that you brought it up related to parenting because, you know, also having dealt with many marriage and families over the years, you know, there's that desire to be the perfect parent. Um, And really, you know, research has shown the perfect parent or the negligent parent, that's where problems lie. It's actually not really what you need is a good enough parent. <laughs> and the same thing could be said in relationships. You don't need to be the perfect couple. Those are usually very problematic, <laughs> nor do you need to be the one that's like in constant, you know, uh, cycle of violence one way or the other. But a good enough relationship means that you can tolerate and hold for some of those bumps. But perfection is really almost always a
1: problem. You know? <laughs> I just want to make sure everybody heard that. I really do. Here, Here's some permission, everyone, to just be good enough. I wanted to ask, because I don't think this conversation happens enough, and maybe it's just my world. I know you guys are having it all the time, but I find, especially in a circle of men, oftentimes, the difficulties that are being dealt with aren't often at the forefront. They're not transparent. So in all of your experience, what do you see are the biggest commonalities of struggle in a relationship?
2: Oh, well, I know a lot of times people don't feel seen or heard or feel blamed and criticized, you know, and so it doesn't feel like there's um, people are taking enough time. We we get too transactional, like so much is going on. We are just on a project together, moving really fast, and we're not actually taking time to sink in and connect and so, and it doesn't take that long. And people will say, oh, we don't have enough time for a date night. You don't have to have a date night. But if you took 15 minutes a day and really talked about what was going on for you and how you felt, whether it was about the relationship or not, just you connecting with your partner, it's amazing. That is like fuel for the tank in re-engaging the relationship and your, your sense of like, gosh, I'm not in this alone. You know, somebody cares about me. I'm seen and heard and um, I matter.
3: I would say another thing that is, you know, I mean, there are kind of the classic things that come up in relationship, like differences around money, differences around sex, different. I mean, there, those are kind of common threads that a lot of times people just don't even talk or, about. I don't know how many times I've worked with a couple that like they just don't talk about money unless they're at their financial planner. And there's the financial planner is supposed to be a therapist. It usually doesn't work very well, yeah. you know, so. um but it's like, how can you talk about these things in a in a way that makes sense? Because a lot of couples are unhappy about sexuality. And it's not really the sex, it's something else. But if you don't talk about sex, it's gonna it's gonna stay underneath it. So that's why you kind of there are those classic hot topics, but then you need to go beneath them and begin to identify what is going on. Cause what we found is a lot of times women will go, you know, men don't talk about things, but women can talk pretty nastily about.
2: Their partners, their partners.
3: And that doesn't help either. It's, you know, it becomes easier to talk to somebody else than to talk directly to this person who you supposedly love and care about. And so it's like how to kind of start to have this conversation. It's not the topic. It's what's underneath the topic and how you can have a clear discussion that really Leads to intimacy and closeness.
2: And if somebody is complaining about their partner, it's really, I mean, anytime I hear that, I really want to, you know, what is going on and how can you have this conversation directly with your partner? Because you do love and care about them. And so that complaining piece can be more uh, a sign of, I I don't feel like I know how to talk.
3: Yeah.
0: Okay. Have you ever bought something online and then found out that you could have gotten it for less? It's worse than saying I love you at the end of conversations when you totally didn't mean to. Not to mention, once that happens, you feel like you could be overpaying every time you shop. Luckily, I have Honey, the free browser extension that saves you time and money when shopping online. Honey scans the internet for coupon codes and other discounts, then like magic, it automatically applies the one with the biggest savings to your cart at checkout. It knows about every coupon code, sale, or discount at over 20,000 sites like Amazon, Macy's, J.Crew, Domino's, Target, and more. Just shop like normal and Honey finds your savings. And believe me, it feels amazing. Like taking the plastic off a new iPhone screen amazing. Just the other day, I was buying some knock-around sunglasses. And when I was checking out, I clicked the Honey extension. It went through a bunch of different codes and got me 15% off. There's really no better feeling. And hey, if you use Honey, you're more than likely going to save money. Honey's found its 10 million users over a billion dollars in savings. So listen, there's really no reason not to use Honey. It's free to use and installs on your computer in just two clicks. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com smart. That's joinhoney.com smart.
1: And now back to the episode. Right. Okay. well, let's talk to that, because I think when you brought up, you know, money, sex and not being seen and heard, like you said, maybe three of the top that that are out there. The reason they're not talked about, though, is because they're difficult to talk about. I mean, look, it's easy to say, hey, you don't pick up your clothes. I feel like that that conversation we all can have our quote unquote courage around. But if it's I don't feel seen or, you know, I don't feel attractive to you or whatever it is that is obviously more difficult. So, we have you on, how do we do it? How do we start? You know, walk us through that process of maybe breaking the ice or or that barrier of fear to have a conversation with somebody we truly do care about.
2: And I would say the first step is to say, I have something I want to talk to you about that I feel pretty uncomfortable and it's vulnerable. I feel vulnerable bringing it up. So that intention, that setting the stage and saying Can we set aside, asking, really asking permission, can we have some time to have this conversation? So that's step one. And then two is really talking about me. I'm having a hard time. I'm not feeling attractive. I don't think we're, um, I would would like to have more sex. I don't think we're doing that. Um, I'm curious, you know, all these different things. I'm talking about myself and how I'm seeing the situation. And I want to find out from you how it is, one, how is it for me to even bring this topic up? You know, how are you feeling right now? Those are some, you know, one, two, three steps that I can come up with.
3: And this is Susan. I, you know, like I used to do traditional kind of marriage and family therapy. And one of the reasons I shifted out of it is because I really found that when couples get together in more of a group setting, Um, which we do the couples programs we do are usually four days long and the reason for that with other couples and yeah we actually go around and coach couples individually around their particular issues but what happens when they're together is it starts to normalize things that are going on and it becomes much different and we do have and we like that idea of having people sink in over a series of days where they've really taken a couple some time off to be able to one tap back into what attracted them to each other. Because sometimes, and we talk about this in the book, what are the roots of that? Because if you can remember that, that gives you some goodwill to come back into the relationship. And then begin to look at, so what are some of the reoccurring issues that we have? And then having them begin to look at how do these tie to our own individual values? And can we talk about that? And can we talk about this idea of having boundaries? Or And when we talk about boundaries, it's not we're talking about boundarying, like I'm self-defining what I want, what I don't want. And it has nothing to do that. I'm going to get it. It has to do with that willingness to show up and be vulnerable and curious. And so we've, we found that when couples are together like that, they, you know, what happens is they begin to feel like we're not broken. Look, there are other people here dealing with the same things. This isn't, you know, we've got to go to therapy every week and, you know, be told what we need to do next. We actually have a chance to sort of make mistakes, blunder, talk to each other, talk to other people to help support this. And we found that that's a really helpful way to help people be able to take something back in their life and use on a regular basis.
1: Yes. And that's why I brought that up. I feel like it's not talked about enough. But then and I think this is partly why people go complain to their friends, because they're looking for validation. You know, they're looking for, oh, this happens to you, too good. I'm not alone. And here's the, here's the underlying theme. And I want to ask it is, you know, what about this thought process that, well, this person just isn't as compatible with me as I thought, right? Because I think that might be what's underlying it. If I have to argue with you about, I don't pick a topic, right? Um, how you feel about money all the time, or, or, you know, make it even more specific. If I have to argue with the fact that I think you spend too much money all the time, maybe I'm just with the wrong person and I need to be with somebody who's more frugal. This belief that we can find people that are just more aligned with what we want. I'm sure you've dealt with that. You have to uh, push up against that. What is the Answer there.
2: It's so funny because uh, that's often when I get coaching clients. If I'm coaching a woman, she's like, oh, "I think you know, I just need to find somebody different. I think I need to leave them." And and it's. <laughs>
3: well, you actually thought this. I thought that about Susan. The, oh, <laughs> here we go. Let's <laughs> go. The issue you're bringing up is the issue that is probably the biggest thing for you. Yeah, she is not good with money. I'd <laughs> and, and say over and over. We first got together Chris, can that, you make her save more? <laughs> I just want you to change it. <laughs> I <No>. like this. <laughs> <laughs> um, it would come down to we are not compatible because right. we are not saving enough. Mm. And it it it's it, as if I could find if I found somebody that was
2: aligned with me on money, they're not going to be aligned with me around sex right. or work or something else. So we have this we have this uh, you know fantasy that is if I could just get somebody that's just more like me, it's going to be easier and for sure, if you could, dial up somebody, order the person. But we are always going to have differences. So it's learning those skills to how to bridge that gap and find ways that you can talk about, this is really hard for me. We continue, because we do. We have our money conversation.
3: <laughs> but the difference is, I think, where where I think sh- things have shifted, at least for me around this issue, is because I know it's going to come up periodically. You are doing stupid things around money. <laughs> <laughs> And I, and I can go right to my defensiveness, like, do not start with me on money. You know, you're, you're not blah, 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 blah. and we could go down that road. Or I can remember, wait a minute, what's really driving you? There's a reason you're bringing this up. And I want to try to be like, what, why is this so important to you right now? Don't remember all the 50 million things she told me other times. But what is, a, what is, is it because I know underneath it for her, it's a, it's a security safety issue. Because we've had this conversation enough. So if I can remember that something's up where you're not feeling, you know, I could get to that real core value for her. It's very different. And when I could align it even around, like, I don't have that core value, but I do like freedom. And so we've been able to find ways to put our different, you know, core values to some sort of like uh, way that they connect to each other. And that's been helpful for me. But I have to step out of that reoccurring thing and say, why in this moment? what's coming up that it's so important for you to, you know, go after me in terms of the finances.
2: And I I do think, you know, learning to have those conversations, but if you don't, and if you don't feel seen or heard, or your partner continues to operate, even though you've shared, hey, the impact to me, when you do spend whatever the money is, I get really scared and terrified, you know, so here I am being vulnerable again, and seeing if that, if that, actually lands over there. If this person, because ideally this person loves and cares about me, like Susan saying, Hey, wait a minute. Can I connect to the reason behind that? That would be, even if they struggle changing, if I feel that more connection in that place, Now, if the person's like, hey, no big deal, I don't care about you, then that's something to consider. Like if that (laughs) happens all the time, you might want to think about maybe this person isn't right for you. But it's not about the difference. It's about, are you actually caring about the impact to me as a human being over here? That's key. And I mean, and we talk about tools about reflective listening, or what are you hearing me say to, to see if something's landing over there? Because a lot of times people have different styles. They are actually empathizing, but they're not It's not externalized. So, really, what are you hearing me say? That you know, and and seeing how the person reflects
1: that back. I actually I don't want to glaze over that. I think that's a really useful skill you mentioned because one question I was going to ask is, look, I can sit down with my wife or, or anyone can do this in a relationship they're in, and say, hey, here's what's bothering me. Here's what I'm not getting, et cetera. And the other person can go, okay, but. It might not spark them to action. I feel like that's just as much of a difficulty. So what do you do when you run into that? You know, you know, I've said my piece, but the changes aren't being made. And then I think what you one of the things you just mentioned is the difference between a willingness to make it or not. It's like, are you willing but just not doing it? Or are you just not willing to do it in the first place?
3: Well, and I think some of that is You know, in in the book, we talk about this concept of boundarying, because you know what, if I'm saying something that I want, and it's clearly something that's very different than what Chris Marie may want or not want, it's not about making her get it. But I I also need to look at how am I going to support my boundary in this? How am I going to support myself in creating what I want? And then I might want to ask her, is this something you can accept about me? And are you willing to help support me in this? And actually, really more importantly, is for her to think about if this is so important to her, do I want to support it or not? And I don't think the answer is so much that it has to be she has to support it. It's the honesty of the answer. So if she tells me, I don't know that I can support that. um, And I get that it's important to you. I can deal with that because there's something that um, I think couples think they always have to be close and have to agree on everything. I think most of them, people just want to know where where is my partner really located? Are they going to be straight with me? Are they going to be real with me? And if it was all the time, I can't support you, that's one thing. But if they're honest about when they can and they can't, then that support is very genuine and it becomes real and you start to believe, oh, we really have something here. And it's not that we're always on the same page. Sometimes we're close, sometimes we're not. More importantly, we know where we're each located. And that, I think, is really vital to people's sense of security and aliveness and being okay with each other.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. One nuance here that I'm curious about is, say money is the issue, and it sounds like you all are familiar with that, right? Um, (laughs) Obviously, there is more to it, right? It could be a sense of security or safety or, or what we value, who knows? But when it comes to physical intimacy, so it could be sex, but it could just be any uh, any type of touching that seems even more difficult because it's a it's it's physical. Right. So say I'm like, look, you spend too much money and the other person hears you and says, OK, I, I will do better Then great. Don't go buy the Snickers bar like I'm not I'm not I'm not minimizing the the difficulty. I'm just saying it yeah. kind of tongue in cheek. However, if it's, we're not intimate enough physically that I feel like is a, a harder thing to just go, okay, I'll do it because it's your body. <laughs> w- I don't uh, know. Am I off on that? No. I mean, we deal with sexuality and
2: people, you know, one partner thinking we're not sexual enough. And often there's a lot more you can do before besides just, okay, fine, let's do it. Like a lot of women don't even know their own bodies because we weren't taught our own bodies. So there's a lot of, if I want to be more sexual, there's a lot I can do to enjoy my own sexuality in a lot more ways versus just having sex with my husband and, or wife. And, um, so to to self-pleasure, to dress a certain way, to dance and and invite things in a whole different way that can spark that that uh, aliveness in a relationship. Mm. And even talking about like one of the things that's um, kind of sparks the sexuality, which is kind of uh, a little bit of a different take, is being willing to actually share your attractions to your partner and all of a sudden, like if I say, oh, there's this guy, I think he's really handsome. And this is what, you know, Susan can actually be interested in that. I'm not going to act on that attraction, but I can share it. And and that can create some more juiciness to increase the aliveness. But I can, there's a lot of different ways you can go. It's not just about yes or no more sex. And then I've got to just do it. <laughs> right. We
3: have a very limited definition of sexuality and sex and what it all means. And we have so much potential there to broaden that and to explore it more and see it much more a part of our life than just do I have good sex with my partner right. or enough <laughs> or enough sex. And, 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 and it's a tricky topic because we've made all, you yeah, know, we have a, funny culture around sexuality and, you know, but it helps when you can start to at least explore it together and think of it as, okay, what does excite you? Where, you know, and, and a
2: lot of times people haven't even thought about that for themselves. So to even have a five, five, five on sexuality, and also just to make it more, um, self-focused, like what does turn me on and even being willing to say the type of touch, you know, Mm -hmm. I talk about women have, um, women have a, a genital that has 8,000 nerve endings and it's solely focused on pleasure. And men have a, a, what I call a multi-purpose tool. You have 4,000 nerve endings and it serves many functions. And just even...
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it feels like it only serves one sometimes, but okay. I'm, I, I get you.
2: <laughs> but just having that, like, no wonder women have a different level of sensitivity. Maybe she hasn't even brought that up and men are not aware of it. And so even having that, Hey, we're wired differently. Can you slow down? You know, those things to be willing to talk about me, this is what I like, like, and I know it can, it can, we can, the other part of our other partner can take it so personally. And if you can just hold and let the partner like. Don't take that on that they're taking it personally and just be with them.
3: Mm. It can
2: it can move through as opposed to, no, this is just me and my body. It's crazy to think, just because I got married, all my sexual needs are gonna be with one person. I am still attracted to different people. I'm still titillated by different things. Not that I'm gonna act on them, but to include that as part of our sexuality.
0: We're happy to have ShipStation back another week as a sponsor. Listen, if you're selling online, you know getting your orders out can be a huge pain. Not only is it time-consuming and expensive, but there's so many carriers to choose from. How do you know if you're making the best choice for your dollar? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. So listen, wherever you're selling, whether it's on eBay, Amazon, Etsy, your own website— ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. Having it all in one place makes it real easy to manage from any device, even your phone. ShipStation works with all the major carriers including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. The best part is they even offer big discounts on shipping costs. So no matter the size of your business, you get access to the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. So listen up. Right now, Smart People podcast listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use the offer code SMART. There's no risk. You can start your free trial even without entering a credit card. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in SMART that's shipstation.com then enter the offer code smart shipstation.com make ship happen and now back to the episode
1: I mean I, I believe you but I if I ask my wife she better not say anybody else I mean come <laughs> on then <laughs> I mean if she if she wants to stay in this relationship it's me at be <laughs> No, I'm kidding I'm kidding
3: I just think that's great that you're Saying that, but and I would encourage you to: What is the threat of her being interested in somebody else for you, mm. especially if she comes home with you? Yeah, right. I mean, She's choosing I, you. I jokingly say that because Chris Murray's a, a community theater person and she always gets picked to play sexy roles and inevitably there's someone in our community who she's kissing or various things are happening on the stage and mm-hmm. I love to I, I mean sometimes it used to be a little threatening to me now I sort of love to say okay make me jealous see if
1: because
3: ah. there's something because I do know she's coming home to me and mm-hmm. it's actually fun to see her get turned on and excited and engaged in something that brings her to like, that's what I had to tell myself. This is, look how alive she is. This is great. This yeah. is the person I want. I don't want her to just be this way with me. How cool is it that she walks around in the world with this sexy, you know, side of herself out there? That's And if so that's where I know if I'm not in my own insecurities, I'm good with that. I actually like it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm, I actually think what you're bringing up, it is all built on this idea of trust because although I joke about it, it's not just that she's coming home with me. Like, I think that's a symbol of something deeper, which is she's coming home with me. I'm the person she wants to come home with. And I'm not worried about her ever going home with someone else in the literal or figurative sense.
2: Exactly. Yes. Right. That's what we mean. That sense of trust and stability. Yeah. Yeah. And, And And I think, yeah, I think it's more, can be built if you, if that's, out, if you're actually at the above table, you're sharing that, it can also be juicy in your relationship. And you know she's not keeping secrets then. Right. That's
1: healthier. Right, and the thing is, I think that's what a lot of people also struggle with. I was reading this debate which I find hilarious about should you have the password to your significant other's phone? And Mm. that seems like such a college argument but but it is so it is so much more than that. Right. It is. Should you be completely open to that person? I'm interested where you fall on that. Are there boundaries or are there none when it comes to a committed relationship?
2: Well, I have Susan's password to
3: her phone. So <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that. Um, and I got some of yours from me, though.
2: So <laughs> lot, you know. I do think, you know, it's like, um. I do think there are boundaries that you can, you are your own person. You can have your own, you know, life. And I, I don't think I need to hide things though from my partner.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we have this statement that we talk about no boundaries, no conflict, potentially a dead Mm -hmm. relationship. If you Mm -hmm. don't like, you do need to be able to talk and define. And the key is, you know, if what's interesting for me to pay attention to is when does something like that bother me? Like, there are times when I could care less whether she has you know codes that I don't know or you know the bank account that I don't know anything I noticed you know I don't care about that so but when it does bug me then that's worth me exploring what's going on is it some? usually it's something inside of me like I'm feeling at risk that might be a good time to talk to her like but not to tell her she can't have a separate account but to talk to her about you know i realized i all sorts of insecurity came up for me when i saw you had a different account mm-hmm. and i want to talk about that and not make it about her make it about what's going on for me very different because what most couples do is you cannot do that mm-hmm. and then it's then it's a shut rule. The door it's a rule and there's no there's no it, there's no explanation of me or her in that and that's where the opportunity for intimacy comes is it's like, instead of making it right or wrong, get curious. Why does that even upset me? Or if I'm hiding
2: something, like I used to shop a lot. We live in Montana. So online shopping is the way to go. (laughs) And I would shop and then I'd stuff everything in my closet, hoping Susan wouldn't find it. Mm -hmm. And and she's like, you know, she caught me and she's like, (laughs) why are you hiding this stuff? And I'm like, I really had to, you know, I felt like I was going to get in trouble. I was being, you know, after I looked at it, you know, I felt shame for shopping, you know, all sorts of stuff, but it became a discussion. She wasn't like getting me. It was more like what's going on that you're doing this and hiding it. So if you're hiding something, that's also a place to go, hmm, why, what's going on for me that I feel like I have to hide it? Because it's usually not about the other person. I felt embarrassed that I was spending so much. I was usually doing it when I was tired and shopping online, not the best time to do that. So those are conversations though. We talk about intimacy, meaning into me, Mm see, meaning like become curious about what's driving you. Mm. What's driving you to hide something? Why do you need to know all those different pieces?
1: It all goes back to kind of asking yourself why, right? Why am I feeling this way? It's so introspective that it's almost counterintuitive when you're in a relationship. So much of our focus I think is on that other person when in reality, it's first, let me kind of start with where am I coming from to be yes. with that other person?
2: Well, that that's ideal, Chris. And yeah. I usually start blaming Susan first and then have to figure it backtrack. Like, why am I blaming her? Exactly. Going on inside of me. Yeah. You know, we're human.
1: <laughs> yeah. I know our time is running out. I had two more questions and you can be quick with them if you got to hop, but the first is When things get stressful, when you're when you have young kids or your first kid, when you're buying a a home, when you're uh, moving or whatever it is, things do become I like the terminology I've heard you use often, which is just role based. But I believe you have some pretty good recommendations on rekindling that romance, that, in- uh, that intimacy and the relationship that started out as just two people. What do you recommend when you're in those overly stressful times?
3: Well, one, I mean, I do think finding a way to take time to be with each other is. Um, it doesn't have to be big ways but little things. and and I often you know there's kind of your classic date night situation. I, I, that's great, but I'm actually a little more of like challenge each other a bit like I'm gonna if we have a date night or a date time or something, even an hour, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask maybe I ask me to do something that I've always wanted to do but was afraid because I knew she wasn't gonna like it. But mm. I will take the risk to say it's my turn, so I'm gonna pick, and my job is to pick something new, novel, because that's what we're missing, that kind of romance, and her job is to say yes, and to be curious about, okay, why is this of so much interest to you? And. I know I've gone process, I'm not a painter, but I've gone to process painting before. I've gone to <laughs> hip hop dance before. I've even gone to acting workshops before because they are acting, you know, because improv, because it's like, that's passion. That's something she finds her passion in. And I want to go to be a part, to enjoy it and to see what sparks her. Now I might not get into it at all, but I am going to be curious. And that actually brings that aliveness back into our coupledom, which I like.
2: And even, I mean, we've been focused on launching this book, so it's felt like that that yeah. person-to-person defense, you know, just, oh my, one thing after another. And what we did this weekend is we just took uh, a drive. <laughs> we went to parks. Because just getting out, it is it is that, you know, you're so focused. It's it's task-focused. It's agenda, time frame. And if there's anything you can do to open up an adventure, go someplace different, it it ignites that spontaneity. And also, even if you can to find some time just to talk about how you really are just about what's going on. And that's that five, 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 you can just do it on your day. Like it doesn't have to be on a topic, you know, a hot topic. Those I, are a couple of things.
1: I love that. Uh, last question comes from one of our listeners actually, and her name is Carrie and Carrie asks, and I love this. It's a good kind of summation of everything, which is what is a good sign that your relationship with someone is healthy?
2: My well, I guess for me, when I um, recognized my relationship was healthy with Susan, is I felt like I could say just about anything to her, and we could get through it. because it used to be I'd used to have to like make sure I say it right mm. and clean it up. and and, man, that was a lot of work, and i I kept a lot of things under the carpet for that. And so I feel like it's a sign that I can bring difficult things up and know that I can tolerate even if she has a reaction, and hang in with that. And I just feel like there's more of me in the relationship, if that makes sense.
3: Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would just add to that. I mean, I agree with what Chris Marie was saying. And the only thing I'd add is for me, it really is also kind of challenging myself to, to say, where am I at in terms of my goodwill? And to periodically check in on that. Because otherwise it can become my goodwill towards myself, but also towards my partner. And if I still have that goodwill, then I know I'm in an okay place. Even if I'm disagreeing with what she's doing, you know, it's like, oh no, but I can still feel that inside of me. And if I don't have that sense, so it's really honor that that's a conversation we need to have and I need to do something
1: about it. Perfect. Well, Susan and Chris Marie, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. I appreciate your work. I mean, look, us couples can use all the help we can get. The book is The Beauty of Conflict for Couples, Igniting Passion, Intimacy, and Connection in Your Relationship. I wanted to, before we leave, just see, is there anywhere else or you know, what website you would like to guide our listeners to? Are you on social? Other places to find and learn about this idea of conflict that you talk about.
2: You bet. So our, our website is Thrive Inc. dot com, And that's just all about our services. And we do have a, a, a website just for the book, beautyofconflict.com. And you can find us on Instagram, Thrive Inc. You can find us on Facebook, Chris Marie Campbell, Susan Clark. I think it's Susan B. Clark, something yeah. like that. <laughs> Clark, Clark. <laughs> I know how that works. <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah, we'd love to connect And the book is, uh, we have that book and a business book, both under the same name. Oh, and our podcast, The Beauty of Conflict on iTunes. Deterious. Yeah,
1: I was going to mention that. We're on a podcast. You have a podcast. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, you have The Beauty of Conflict, which is more on the business book side. I wanted to take that couple side for this one, but a yes. uh, similar approach. And I love the branding there, too. Thanks so much,
2: Chris. We really right.
1: appreciate it. Hope
0: you thoroughly enjoyed that interview with Chris Marie Campbell and Susan Clark. Their book, The Beauty of Conflict for Couples, can be found on Amazon and at your local bookstore. And as always, if you decide to purchase through Amazon, please make sure to do so through our Amazon link located at smartpeoplepodcast.com slash Amazon. Every purchase you make through that link will support Smart People Podcast at no cost to you. But if you're looking for other free and easy ways to support the show, you can always head over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. And if you'd ever like to reach out to the show, you can email us at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at smartpeoplepod. And if you're interested in staying up to date with all things Smart People Podcast, sign up for the newsletter over at smartpeoplepodcast.com. Make sure you stay tuned because of course, we've got a lot of great interviews coming up and we'll see you all next episode.